I was thinking today about the first time I landed back in the mission field after it had been an 18-year gap of time before I had been in the mission field in the past. And I really realized as we landed on the runway in Honduras in our little plane that I wasn't prepared for what I was about to experience. And you can do all the reading you want, you can do all the praying you want, but then when you land in another place that's a lot poorer than you are, you begin to realize how you're not prepared for what you're about to experience. So you really need God's help. And this life that we're living in is all about preparing, preparing for what's to come, preparing for the futures. Everything is about preparing. And then I remember going into the mountains and seeing the poverty and going into the places where there's not running water and going into places where your bathroom was a hole in the ground. You don't have a nice little bathroom and a toilet to go sit down on. And there's kind of that culture shock of not being prepared for what you're about to experience. Welcome to Healing Begins. My name is Pastor Gail. And so today I want to talk about being prepared. I remember when I went to Costa Rica, went down into the garbage dump and experienced the poverty there and went into the homes and prayed for people who are sick and the people we've been feeding during the year. I wasn't prepared for what I was about to see. And I thought, Lord, the only difference between them and me is the place I live. That's the only difference. And if you read the Bible, the Bible tells us that the um, Lord himself plans the places that we will live on the earth and where we will live at. And so I thought, wow, the only difference between them and me on this garbage dump is where I live. And I began to think about that and how hard it must be to live in those homes. And if you and I saw those homes, many of us would say we wouldn't put anyone in those homes. It's just too poor. And uh, the people there, though, they smile at you, they want prayer, they love their home, and yet you see the poverty and you experience the culture shock of being in another country. Even to the point of we were going to go to this one church in the mountains in Costa Rica called the Upper Room. I had one thought of what I thought it'd be like, but when I got there, my thoughts were completely wrong, and I wasn't prepared for what I was about to step into, especially when we arrived and one lady looked at me and said, we come expecting to hear from God from you. And the expectation was so high. And then not only is there the culture shock you deal with when going to another nation, then you get back home and you experience something even worse. I would call it reverse culture shock. So many times it's easy for me to adjust into the mission field, into the poor area. But it's harder for me when I get back home and I I see everything we have, the food we eat, the places we live, the nice vehicles we drive. Even in America, the poorest of persons are rich in comparison to those many places in the mission field. So as you think about being prepared... I think about, are we really prepared to go to heaven? Are we prepared for the culture of heaven? We live 
in the world. We live in the United States, or maybe you live in another country, but in this world in which we live, we experience wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, pestilence, death, dying, corruption, government corruption. We deal with all this stuff in the world today. But when we get to heaven, we won't have to deal with it. It'll be completely different there. And I'm going to read about the culture of heaven in just a little bit. I remember one day when I was a young pastor, I was invited to go visit a man who was sick in the hospital and he only had like three months to live. He had a heart condition. This was when I was in my first church uh, very early in the ministry. And so I go to visit this guy and I talk to him about Jesus. And he was nice enough for me, but he said, hey, I want you to know right off the bat, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to go to hell. And that's just the way it is. He said, all my friends are going to be there and I don't want to go to heaven. So I went back the next day to the hospital to visit him and I shared about Jesus with him and he shared the same thing with me again. I don't want to go to heaven. All my friends are going to be in hell and that's where I want to be. And then it was on a July, the I think it was July 3rd, I really felt the Holy Spirit's impression on my heart to go back and talk to him one more time at his house. So I went back and talked to him one more time and I asked him if he'd like Jesus. Now, up to this point, he had said no every time and his wife was sitting there with me and she looked at him and said, oh honey, don't you want to go to heaven with me to be with Jesus? Don't you want to be with me, honey? And he began to break down and cried and he said, I want you to know I want Jesus. I want you to know I want this Jesus you're speaking about. So he prayed. He accepted Christ into his heart. He asked for forgiveness of sins. And he became a Christian. And I thought, great, this was his first time he became a Christian. Then at uh, that was at about 7 o'clock at night, left and went home. And the next morning at about 2 a.m., when he was walking on the way from his room to get to the bathroom, he had a massive coronary and passed away. So I began to think about what it must have been like for him, right? Here's a guy that has no understanding of the Bible. He has no understanding of heaven. He does not know the awesomeness of the decision he made, what lays ahead of him. I can only imagine what it was like for him when all of a sudden when he died, the angels came back, and we'll call him Jim just for the sake of this program, and they said, Jim, are you ready to go to heaven? And I can imagine them as they pick him up and they're flying him toward heaven. And he begins to see this beautiful city. And he begins to hear the angels sing. And he begins to see everything that God has prepared for him. All I could imagine was his jaw hitting the ground. And I could imagine him kneeling outside of the city gate thinking, I don't deserve to be here. I cannot believe I'm here. And then, I, and then how he must have felt when he met Jesus. And being in a place where there's no sin, no pain, no death. And he got in at the last minute. I can only imagine as he would meet the angels, as he would meet people that would come up and greet him. 
where all of a sudden he realized the very place he was trying to avoid was the greatest place ever. And he wasn't prepared. I can imagine in heaven there's got to be places where people are taught. They're taught about God. They're taught about heaven. They're taught about the culture of heaven. Heaven is not like here. It's completely different. Oh, there might be similarities like trees and grass and birds and animals and some of the things like that. But there's no crime in heaven. There's no corruption in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. There's no death in heaven. No mourning in heaven. No anger. No murder. No crime. It's completely different there. And what a shock it must have been to his system. I want to read what the Bible says about heaven's culture. And I'm going to read from Revelation 21, 1-7. I really encourage you today, if you're listening, to get your Bible, get it out, read the scriptures I'm reading, and, and just imagine heaven in your mind's eye. Maybe you're, you're listening to this and you're sitting down somewhere. Well, set back, shut your eyes, and imagine heaven as I read the scripture. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. You see, at the end, this world is going to be burned up with fire and it's going to be renewed and there's going to be a new heaven and there's going to be a brand new earth. Everything is going to be pristine, just the way it was uh, when Adam and Eve was here before the fall. It's going to be absolutely beautiful. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit this. I will be their God, and they will be my children. As I am reading this, I am reminded of the thief on the cross how he must have felt when he was hanging there. And he says to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Can you imagine? He wasn't prepared for heaven. It was a last-minute prayer. He got in. He barely got into heaven. But can you imagine when the angels come to get him, when he went to paradise and he saw Jesus? and he saw the beautiful place that God had prepared for him. Can you imagine the culture shock he must have been through? Oh, my goodness. That would have been incredible. I mean, and I believe a lot of people are like that here on earth. They are flat out not ready for heaven. How much have you read your Bible? Well, you want to know how to prepare for heaven? Read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Read the New Testament over and over and over again. Ask Jesus 
for revelation. Ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. Ask Jesus to prepare you and to reveal to you what heaven is going to be like. Revelation 21, verses 15 through 27. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid out in a square as long as it is high and wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and wide and high and long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement. It was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundation of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stones. The first stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chalcedite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jadeth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the gates of the city, each gate was made of a single pearl, and the streets of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. Wow, just read that description right there and think about that. You have a city that's 1,500 miles high, wide, and long, and deep. You have all these precious rubies and stones embedded in the walls of the city, and the streets of the city are pure gold. And then he goes on in, in, in verse 22, and he says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its light. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will the gates ever be shut, and there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Wow, think about that. No sun, moon, or stars. That's going to be kind of strange. We're used to sun, moon, and stars. And the thing I think about the scripture is simply this. The walls of the city are made out of all these beautiful stones. And the throne of God is in the middle of the city. And God is this light. And Jesus is the lamp. Can you imagine the refraction of the colors after the light is shining through all those beautiful stones? How beautiful the city is. And in this city, there's nothing impure there. There's nothing crooked there. There's nothing corrupt there. And you have to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life to get in there. You might say to me, well, I have never accepted Jesus into my heart. I'm not ready to go to that city. Well, guess what? Right now, pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior, Lord. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I want to be prepared for heaven. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Man, just you should take the time to go over this scripture, Revelation 21, verses 15 through 27. I mean, it's really incredibly a beautiful scripture. Then Revelation 22, 1 through 7, I really like this too. 
Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal. You know, if you've ever seen a lake or a river, it seemed crystal clear. It's so beautiful. Flowing from the throne of God in the Lamb. And down the middle of the great street of the city on east side of the river stood the trees of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. Wow, now listen to this. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his names will be on their forehead. There will be no more night. Think of that. Can you imagine being in a place where there's no more night? They will not need a light or a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Wow, imagine that. Then he goes on and says this. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspired the prophets, has sent his angels to show his servants the things that must soon take place. I like verse 7. Are you ready? Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecies written in this scroll. Wow. The spirit and the bride say come. Let him who is thirsty come. I want you to know tonight how much Jesus loves you. How much he cares for you. And I want to encourage you. There's no day like today to get prepared to go to heaven. We have this life. This life is so important. The relationships we have in this life, the people that we're friends with, this life is so important. It is preparing us for the next life. I often think about that often. I think about the people that this program will touch. I think about those that I have come in contact with over the years that I have shared Jesus with. See, heaven, if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you have friends, their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, then when you get to heaven, you're going to know them. They're going to be there. They're going to greet you. They're going to want to be with you. I mean, it's going to be a wonderful place. And in John 14, Jesus said, Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And Jesus said to Thomas, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me. So Jesus, for those of us that know the Lord, he is preparing a place for us. He is preparing a mansion for us. You know, he is preparing heaven for us because he loves us. And so when you think about that, I just invite you to don't be discouraged. Maybe you feel like you don't have much Bible knowledge. That doesn't matter. There's no time like the present to begin to get prepared to meet Jesus, to go to heaven and to be with him. And so, yes, I believe when we get to heaven, there's going to be culture shock. But the other thing I believe about heaven when we get there, there's going to be amazing, unspeakable joy and a joy 
that will never end. There will be no depression in heaven, no anxiety in heaven, none of the stuff that you deal with here on earth, the negative things will be in heaven. They will not be there for the place that God has prepared for those that love him is absolutely perfect and the Lord will have in that place the things that we care about and the things that we love. And so I just want to encourage you today. Maybe you're out there and and you've had times where you just felt like giving up. You felt like giving up on God, giving up on the Lord, giving up on your prayer time. I would say don't do it. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Keep keep standing there. Don't don't give up. Maybe uh maybe you quit church and you're not a part of a church no more. Get back engaged. Go look around. God has a place for you. God has a people for you where you can become a part, where you can learn, you can grow. Find a Bible study to attend, especially if it's on heaven and it's a good church. Find a Bible study to attend. Learn, grow, develop in your walk with Jesus so when the day comes that you're going to meet him, you're actually ready to meet him. It's so critical and important. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for those that are under the sound of my voice this morning, that first of all, you would comfort them. Secondly, you would encourage them. And Lord, if they've walked away from you, I pray that you would bring them back because you love them and you care for them and you died for them and you're preparing a place and you want them to be in heaven with you. So, Lord, I thank you for the culture of heaven. Help us to prepare every day to meet you because, Lord, I know even as much as we prepared, we're still going to be blown away by the beauty and awe that you've done for us. And I pray for those that are listening right now that you would bless them with your presence and be with them wherever they go in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to thank you for tuning into this radio program today. This program was brought to you by Family Tree Medical in Hastings, Michigan. And so, hey, keep your eyes on Jesus, read God's Word, and ask the Lord to prepare you for all the beautiful things that He has for you, and ask Him to show you some of that ahead of time and reveal it to you through His Word. God bless you, and have a good morning. Healing Begins is brought to you by Spiritual Care Consultants of West Michigan. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. 
We are not a church, but a healing ministry based out of a doctor's office, and my partner is Dr. Troy Carlson. Maybe you're looking for a chance to donate somewhere. You have some money and you'd like to make a donation? Well, we are a great place to donate. Go to our website, www.spiritualcareconsultants.com, and click on Donate, or you can make your checks out to Spiritual Care Consultants and mail them to Spiritual Care Consultants, 1375 West Green Street, Suite 1, Hastings, Michigan, 49058. Most of all, I want to thank you for your prayers and all your support, and I want to say thank you for listening to Healing Begins.